Good morning. Merry Christmas. Uh, that reading is one of the one of the most incredible things that has ever been written in the history of mankind. Um, turn to the Gospel of John if you've got a Bible with you. We'll look at John 1 this morning. Uh, my name's Wilson. If I haven't met you, I'm one of the deacons here at Incarnation. It's really good, uh, really good to be with you this morning. Um, Christmas traditions are weird, right? So Jim Gaffigan is what probably like pointed it out the best. He's like, all right, let's take that tree that was out there. Let's put it in here. Uh, let's take all our lights. Let's put them out in, outside in the yard. Let's, uh, let's take some socks and nail them up on the fireplace. Um, and so uh, we all do those things, and then everybody's got their own weird family traditions. Um, like my family opens stockings before we do the presents under the tree, um, which Callie's family finds to be strange and, and wicked. Um, so, we, so we don't do that anymore. Um, unless we forget and we start diving into the presence under the tree. And the, um, so yeah, yeah, traditions are strange around Christmas. Um, but I was thinking about that and maybe all that, maybe all that strangeness actually makes a lot of sense. Maybe, that's, maybe it's right on. Because this is a really strange holiday. There's always the challenge, right, during Christmas um, to look past all the really familiar and beloved things. Um, if you talk about a baby being born in a major and manger and um, peace and goodwill, uh, then it's all pretty cozy and sensible. But once you actually start talking about what happened, then it gets, then it gets weird. What we're celebrating here is the event of God becoming a human being for about 33 years and walking among us at some point in history and then going away. That's what we're celebrating during Christmas. Why did this happen? Why did God become man? If we look closer and start unpacking some of the strangeness, we can see that it's actually the only thing that makes any sense. Because there's a specific set of problems that pose a dilemma for the entire creation that God made and for the human beings that he so loves. And it's such an impossible dilemma that only something as strange as God becoming a human being could solve it. Um, if you've ever read, uh, there's this little book by St. Athanasius that he wrote in the 4th century. It's called in On the Incarnation. It would actually be a really great read over the course of the 12 days of Christmas. You can knock it out in no time. And you'll also find out that I'm completely unoriginal uh, today if you read that book. Um, so let's start with this dilemma, this impossible dilemma. It's actually twofold. It's the dilemma of death and the dilemma of ignorance. So let's start with the dilemma of death. And to understand that, we have to understand where human beings came from. So look at John 1.1. We can learn something about where human beings came from from the first verses of John's gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In the beginning was the word. So some of you will know that the word in Greek is logos. And it means word, but it also means the idea or the thought behind the spoken word. 
the vision, the plan, the wisdom that brought it all into being. This is the logos. And the logos is uncreated and eternal. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing that was made was made. That's where everything begins. And it's from this place that we understand what happened to human beings. So human beings sinned. And to sin is to turn away from God, to turn away from the, from the source, the genesis of all things, to turn away from that to what? Nothing. Death. God is the only eternal and uncreated existence that there is. Human beings were created from nothing. And so when human beings turn away from the source of life, then they turn toward nothing, and they return to nothing. So dust you are, and to dust you shall return, we say on Ash Wednesday. It's just a statement of fact. Every single one of us is spiraling back toward uncreation, non-being. Right? We see this physically. So age starts to have its effects, and you can slow it marginally, but not really. The spiral is unstoppable. We, and we don't just see it physically, we see it in the dehumanizing effects of sin. Right? Sin destroys life and sends it into non-being. So the character Gollum from Lord of the Rings is a, is a great picture of this. He just shrinks and shrivels as a being. So greed, lust, those things shrink a person. They shrivel a person. They make them more and more into a, in, into a non-person into a non-being. It destroys. And physical death is the final stage in the spiral. A person goes from being into non-being. And when someone dies, we feel how absurd it is and how wrong and how unnatural it is. Isn't that strange? That death would be so unnatural. And that's because it is. Because it is not at all natural for someone who is created by a good God to move into non-being. It's absurd that God's good creation should be overtaken by sin and evil and spiral into nothingness. This is the dilemma of death. But there's a second dilemma, and it's a related one for creation and for humankind, and it's this. It's the dilemma of ignorance. Human beings are ignorant of God, which is the fundamental knowing that is that is fundamental to all other types of knowing. So look at verse 10. He, the Son, was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Or Isaiah 1.3, I love, I love this picture. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib, but my people do not understand. God made human beings uniquely among all the things that he made to be able to recognize and to know him. And he gave us several ways that we can know him. So I'll just, I'll just list off a few. First, he made us in his image. Literally, he made us his icons so that every single person you see points to God. But when we turned from God, we obscured his image. It's like an icon that, that got dirty or marred or something, and it's, and it's hard to tell what it is. We no longer represented God like we were meant to. That's why it's hard to believe. It's hard to believe God could be utter goodness and utter truth 
and utter love. Because every single person we see, even the most sterling examples among us, fails to be utterly good or loving or truthful. And we're God's image. So if the picture is obscured, then the real thing is hard to discern. We've obscured God's image in ourselves and for each other, so we can't look at humanity and find a full knowledge of God. But that, like, his image wasn't the only way he gave us to know and to discern him. He also gave us the ability to understand something about him from creation. So Psalm 19 famously says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. The way God created the world, that it works in harmony, and it's so beautiful, and it's so immense. We ought to be able to, uh, to discern behind these things that there's a creator God with this character. But we as a human race ignored these hints, and we lost the ability to see it clearly. So Athanasius in the fourth century said this, humans darkened their own soul and forgot the concept of God. And yet God didn't stop there. He gave us his word, gave us the law and the prophets so we could hear directly from him some way to order our lives that would be good. So we could learn directly from him that there's one creator and that idols are actually nothing and lead to death. Like, look at the, look at the kindness and the love of God. He gave us the gift of his image. Every person points to God. He gave us his creation that shouts day to day with knowledge. He gave us the ability to, to reason and rationality to, to be able to look at these things and see what's beyond it. He gave us his word. Just read how many, like read the prophets and see how long God pleads with people and warns and reminds, but we wouldn't hear him. And so St. Paul in Romans 1 gives this, uh, gives, um, gives this judgment. Although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. They darkened their own soul. Listen, we know a lot. We invented modern medicine. We invented cyberspace. We built the modern world. But there is a type of knowing that cannot be accessed when the soul is darkened. There is a darkness that human ingenuity cannot enlighten. This is the dilemma of ignorance. So the great dilemma is twofold. Human beings are on a spiral towards death and ignorant of the God who created them. So what is the solution? It's John 1.14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's the solution. The solution is that strange event that we're celebrating today on Christmas. How? How is that the solution to the dilemma we just named? Well, it, it's actually the only one that makes sense. The creator is the only one who can recreate what's spiraling into death. The true image of God is the only one who can restore his image within us. His coming in flesh is the only way that our downcast eyes can recognize and know God again. The word took a human body and he took a human name, Jesus, and he solved the dilemmas of death and ignorance. So let me just unpack that a little bit. Let me take those in turn. Jesus solves the dilemma of death. 
on the cross, he completed death. So every human being is under the power of death and is in this spiral. And Jesus took on a human body and he expended all of death's power on himself. Being the infinite, uncreated one in a human body, he took all humans to himself and died for all humans so that death no longer has any claim on another person. We were spiraling deeper and deeper into death and decay, and Jesus, on a Friday afternoon, stopped the spiral in mid-track. And then for one day, Holy Saturday, everything sat kind of in limbo and sat in silence. And then on Sunday, in the resurrection, he sent the spiral back toward life again, and he reversed the cycle. Just like the word originally created the world, so he turns human beings and the entire creation away from corruption and back toward life. And only the source of life could do this. So in short, God the creator's solution to seeing human beings spiraling toward death and darkness is to stop death in its tracks and then create all over again. Only the creator who brought everything out of nothing could bring life out of death, and so he did. So the word solves, the word becoming flesh, solves the dilemma of death. How? By bringing life. It's strangely simple, but it's totally mind-boggling. That's death, but what about ignorance? Well, well Jesus solves that dilemma as well. John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. So in the story of the Bible, uh, God is only revealed in hiddenness. So just a few weeks ago, we read in Exodus, Moses asked God to see his glory, right? Um, And God hides Moses in the rock and passes by him and covers Moses with his hand and then shouts his name. So Moses can hear God's character, but he can't see God face to face. And here John says, we saw that glory in the human face of Jesus. Just some, that must have been something. Something in that human face made a tax collector leave his tax booth. Something in that human face made fishermen drop their nets as soon as he said, follow me. What was that something? And I got to believe it was a glimpse of God. The thing that every human being most longs to see, but that no human being has ever seen. John 1.18, no one's ever seen God. The only God who's at the Father's side, he has made him known. That verse in the Greek, God the only Son who is in the heart of the Father, that one explained, period. There is one who, from time immemorial, gazed into the face of infinite goodness and has seen in that face the holy splendor of God. And that one came to us and made God known. So this is what's happening. Um, A good teacher, uh, a good teacher is able to see where her students are and figure out where their level is and figure out creative ways to teach so that the students can understand. That's what God did. So he showed his providence over creation. He calmed the wind and the sea with a human voice, and he walked on the water. And he showed he was good, and he's the healer. He healed blind eyes, and he did it by spitting in the mud and spreading the mud on someone's face and healing their eyes, right? He showed he's the God that restores joy 
by, bringing, uh, by turning water into wine at a wedding. He came down to our level. And there were those who saw it and who heard it and who touched it. And we've got their testimony. So the word became flesh, solves the dilemma of ignorance by showing us God in a way that we can understand. Now, uh, we have talked about these like huge existential dilemmas, right, of death and ignorance. And we've talked about how Jesus becoming flesh is this strange but elegant and unbelievable solution to those two dilemmas, right? But what about you? Where does this fit into the ordinariness of your life? And the great news is that it does. Like if you just read John, you get some of that. On one hand, it's absolutely mind-boggling, and then on one hand, you read this passage, and it's incredibly simple. It's both. Um, if there's, this is where I'll end, just with a, just with a piece of bringing this home to us. Uh, if there's one major application in the Gospel of John, it's probably this: believe. Simply believe, and Jesus will restore you to life and to knowledge. So Jesus has done it all, and believing receives it all. That's kind of the gospel according to John, right? So what happens when you believe, when you receive Jesus, and, and life and knowledge is suddenly yours? Like, what does that look like? So first, when you, when you believe, Jesus brings life to you where once there was death, and this can sound so theoretical, I think because we are all still dying. And so it's kind of hard to believe that this actually has anything to do with anything in our, in our lives, right? Um, Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 4. We do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. All right, that's the new birth that John talks about again and again. Like there's that famous verse, you must be born again in John 3, but it's here in our passage as well. John 1, 1, 12, to all who did receive Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. A new life, a new person gets born. A new creation of the creator God happens within you. And that new life, as it grows and as it matures, grows young. Um, one of my favorite professors in seminaries, a guy named, uh, guy named Jerem Bars, he worked with Francis Schaeffer and was involved in Labrie. If those things mean anything to you, he had that kind of ethos about him. Um, he was an older British guy. He was one of the most gentle people I've ever known, but he was also like bold and courageous and wise. Uh, I don't know if you've ever met anyone, and when you meet them, you're like, I, I haven't had a face-to-face conversation with Jesus, but I think this might have been something of what it was like. Like, Jerem was one of those guys. Um, and there was kind of this running joke that, you know, he thought was funny and we thought was funny, that he teared up really easily. Um, he just cried easily. And basically every lecture, you could count on Jerem going down at least once. Um, <laughs> And so one day he was just talking about the creation and the beauty of what God has done in creation and show, he's showing us this slideshow of flowers in his garden. And he's going through, you know, so many flowers through his slides. Um, and then he stops at one and, and he can't go on. He just starts tearing up. It's like this daffodil or something on the slide. And I thought, man, what is the story behind that? Like, did, did like a beloved family member like give him to that and it's been planted for generations? Um, no story, no story at all. He just, he saw that flower 
And he, and he literally started breaking down, thinking about the beauty of God. I, now, I learned a lot of stuff in seminary. Um, most of it didn't stick with me. This one stuck with me. Uh, an old man with more wonder than a child. That is growing young. There is a life within you that you can receive that will be younger decades after the day that you first received it. And when your body is breaking down, that life will be shining ever brighter. And that life is going to be prepared to move over the chasm of death as just the beginning of the journey, not the end. That is new life. That's what Jesus has on offer for you today. When you receive him, Jesus brings life again where there was darkness. And then lastly, when you receive him, Jesus brings knowledge of God where once there was ignorance. When you receive Jesus, you receive new life, and with that comes new ears and new eyes and a new heart and the presence of the Holy Spirit. You can begin to see the unseeable and the unknowable God more and more. The Holy Spirit breaks through our blindness and shouts through our deafness. The Holy Spirit is the one that enlivens the word when it's read and preached so that it something burns within you. Your heart can burn with the presence of God once you open your heart to receive him in belief. His presence is what our heart burns for above all else. It's that vague yearning that's behind every yearning. That's part of the darkness of the soul that we're all stuck in. That we don't even recognize the deeper thing that's behind our lust for sex or for money or for constant entertainment or significance, or a perfectly balanced life. And he restores our ability to see him in creation, like Jerem, to wonder again at the things of life. Um, being, God, being like anti-God or anti-religion still has this kind of rebellious ring about it, but honestly, it just makes the world more gray and more boring. Seeing God more and more puts color and wonder back into life. And he takes away the cold winter of despair. It brings beauty. Knowledge of God is it's intimately connected to life. When we receive him, Jesus brings knowledge of God again. This is what we've prepared for in Advent. This is kind of our line we say during Advent. We're preparing to receive Jesus more deeply into our lives. That's what we've prepared for for four weeks. And now that we're at Christmas, now's the time to receive him again more deeply into our lives. Look, he brings light and life into every dark corner of our darkened souls and into every dark corner of this world. The creator created again. He did it. All glory be to God on high and on the earth be peace. Goodwill henceforth from heaven to men begin and never cease. Amen.